believe that for the final time for 2014. Anyway, I do believe we are saying good morning, Porik Horkin. Good morning, Deirdre. How are you? I am good. How are you this good. morning? Good. I go away for two weeks and I'm listening to the weather forecast. Thunder, wind, rain, cooler temperatures. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. Autumn has come in with a bang, hasn't it? It surely has. Yeah, although now temperatures in fairness aren't that cool just no, yet. No, A little bit abnormally high. Oh, they are. It's 15, 16 degrees, 17 degrees is still very, very high for for uh, you know the early part of November, mm. absolutely, we'd often have had frost up to at this stage. The, the bedding plants would have been killed off, and plants would have gone out of flower. You know, at, at this stage of the year, so it's it's interesting that things are still so mild. Yeah, because um, my next door neighbours have nasturtiums right. uh, that have very nicely fed into my laurels and uh, have added a nice <laughs> little bit of colour where I have had no work to do whatsoever. And they're still, still there. Blooming. Yeah. And they will do until until, until we get the hard frost, frost yeah. whenever that comes. But it has. But certainly in the last two weeks, I've, I've been out of the country, as you know, and I've noticed the... Uh, there's been a real tr- change to autumn. The beautiful autumn colours are beginning to come into the trees and the maples and the liquid ambers are beginning to colour lovely. So autumn really has, it's beginning to take hold, certainly. And the leaves, are, I suppose, are falling as well. They are so indeed. There is generally, a, there is certainly a shift. And as we get, we you did mention cooler temperatures in the next couple of days that we are going to see that probably accelerate it because the cooler the temperatures and the shorter the day, the, you know, the, the leaves are going to fall that bit that faster. Bit and they're going to colour that bit quicker and, and autumn will, will, I suppose, finally take hold. Yes. Which is good in one sense because we're coming into that time of year where, um, particularly for bearish plants, traditionally uh, trees were always moved at this time of year as, as plants go into, they become dormant as the leaves fall off them, as the colder temperatures. And it's a good time for listeners to think about maybe moving plants around if you've got a tree or a shrub or a hedge in the garden or a plant that you need to move mm. from one place to another or to take out of a pot and put into somewhere else in the garden. This is the time of year, early November is the time that we actually move plants around. Or more significantly, if you're thinking of putting a new hedge, Autumn, November in particular, is the time where Beirut plants like uh, beech hedging, hornbeam, uh, laurel, all become available as Beirutid plants. So they come without pots. They're dug up out of the ground in the nursery and they're transplanted then into your garden. So it's a time for replanting. Now, I know the weather has been quite wet and soil is quite wet at the moment, but certainly if things dried out a little in, during November, any time from November right through to March, it's a great time to move plants firstly mm-hmm. to other parts of the garden or transplant or more importantly then if you need to put in new plants, new trees, broadleaf trees, new fruit trees in particular or new hedges. This is the time of year. It's the cheapest time to get the plants and it's one of the best times to plant them because once the plants are planted in the ground, the roots start to grow and they grow right through the winter period making a great foundation for the plant then in early spring. Right. So if you are considering you know, putting in a new hedge or planting an area the next dry day will be the ideal time to kind of kill off any existing vegetation or, or grass that might be there and prepare the soil for planting. And then you can plant comfortably any time from now right through until mid-March of next year. Yeah, because um, I suppose one of the things maybe I've noticed is that the grass hasn't exactly stopped growing. No, it hasn't. It's still There's still yeah. a bit of growth on it yeah. all the time. There is, of course, like 10 degrees. Grass will grow anything above kind of 6, 7 degrees. The grass will, will continue to grow. And with the temperatures we're having at the moment, the, green, the lawns are... F- 
beautiful and mm. green. There's great growth there. It's probably been a bit difficult to actually get out there and mow yes, the grass. Yeah, and you need to do that yeah. for all lawns. Um, they need to be continue to keep topping them back. Do raise them over an inch or, or so up to the next level. If you're cutting at two, move it up to three. Continue to put the grass box on and on the next dry day, continue to mow the grass. And you might find that you'll be trimming the grass up to the end of November if we get these milder temperatures. Because if you don't do that, it leaves it very... Um, it just untidy. Gets raggedy, yeah, it exactly. does, and and you you know you you will get problems with uh, with moss and so on over the winter period. So keep it tidy and keep it neat. We're still in the time of year for you could certainly still reseed patches of a lawn if you had a small lawn to put in. It certainly the seed will germinate at this time of year, and it's also the time of year in lawns for feeding them. So if you haven't put on an autumn feed, it's a good time of year to get on uh, any of the autumn lawn feeds. They tend to green the lawn, keep it nice and green for the winter, but most of them have the moss control uh, contained as Mm -hmm. well. So it's killing off any moss, which starts to grow, of course, at this time of year. You'll see it begin to peep up in the lawn, on your patio and driveways. And this is the time of year to get rid of moss in the garden because it only accelerates through the winter period. So certainly for lawns, it's, it's... and, and I suppose in gardening in general at this time of year, is it's that sense of tidying up and preparing for spring. So lawns should be trimmed, they should be fed, you should get on control of the of the moss in particular. If you have a couple of broadleaf weeds like dandelions still yeah. in the lawn, you could still treat those on the next dry day. You could either just spot treat them or, um, you know, in, treat the entire lawn if you wish and just control weeds. Um, the other key thing at this time of year is is fruit planting. And fruit trees in general, most people will have collected the apples at this stage and put them, store them. Uh, Bramley apples will start to become ripe now very soon. The cooking apple, they generally ripen around the end of October, mid-November. So keep an eye on those. And um, they'll store right through the winter period. But it's also a great time for pruning up fruit trees back in general. So blackcurrants, gooseberries, the, the leaves are falling off of them as we speak. So they can be pruned back and tidied back. And the cuttings that you take from them, can actually be rooted. So if you get a little bit of rooting powder, you could propagate a couple of black currants or gooseberry plants or red currants or white currants or raspberries can all be propagated from the pieces that you take off, that right. you prune off. And they simply just put those into a little bit of rooting powder, put them into a trench out, outside in the garden and they'll root over the winter period, giving okay. you new plants for next year. So you don't have to be potting them or anything like that? You don't that. have to be putting them in the pots. You simply just open a small little trench in the veg garden or in a raised bed or get a good deep uh, tray, fill it with compost and a little bit of perlite and stick in the, the cuttings side by side and they root over the winter period. So, And in general, November is a good time for taking cuttings of your favourite plants. So plants like fuchsias, hydrangeas, geraniums indoors. Yep. Um, any of those plants can be propagated from cuttings during the, the month of November. It's a good time for that. But also the planting of fruit trees. So the pruning, the storing of apples, and also the planting of new fruit trees. Particularly strawberries, they should be planted at this time of year because they like to get a winter chill. They like to be out of doors for the winter. It helps to initiate flower buds for next spring and, and, and summer. So all of the fruiting plants could be planted this time of year. I think I mentioned hedges, but in particular, the, the, the trimming back of hedges can be... Uh, completed now. So if you've got laurel or mm-hmm. you've got uh, Portuguese laurel, if you've got Lelandia or whatever, just tidy them back. Don't cut them severely, but just neaten them up for the winter, tidy them back, um, and they'll remain then nice and neat and tidy till March or April of next year. But also it's a good time to plant new hedging plants. And I mentioned the bare root season. Yes. So the planting of beech, hornbeam, laurels, any of the popular hedging plants, this is a really good time. Because remember the plants that are planted in November, 
initiate the roots right through the winter period. We're also coming to the time of year for cutting back plants. And roses, for example, and many of the summer flowering shrubs like roses and fuchsias, as they start to go out to flower, out of flower. Now, some are still in bloom and they can be left alone. But as we get into November, as we go to the end of November in particularly, and particularly as the, the windy weather starts to come to the fore, yes. roses tend to get knocked about. So if, if your roses have gone out of flower, this is a good time to shorten them back. Even just taking them back by half helps to reduce the wind rock during the winter season. And again, the pieces that you take off, you can try and replant and replant as cuttings as well. They'll make good cuttings. So if you've got, for example, flower carpet in your garden and it's beginning to go out of flower, then trim it back at this time of year and the pieces that you take from it can be used as cuttings as long as you use a little bit of rooting powder. But in general, it's that time of year for tidying up yes. uh, summer flowering shrubs. Now, plants that are still in bloom because it's been so mild, leave them to let them flower away there's no rush to prune but during November that's the type of job you could be considering because many of the plants are dropping their leaves it's easy they're very visible and it's easy and it's a good time to to tidy them back the other thing I've noticed since I came back is there's lots of weeds (laughs) that's just just an ongoing problem for because well you know at this stage it just shows you how mild and and probably how moist it has been that the weeds are beginning things like chickweed and uh, speedwell and clickweed all of those uh easy to grow weeds and, and, and fast growing weeds have reseeded and, and, are, actually, are up, and are up and running and are up and running so again the next dry day get out the garden hoe or use a, a proprietary uh, weed treatment like Resolver, one of those that, that, that don't contaminate the soil. Yes. But do try and get some control on the weeds because they're they're only there as an infestation for next year. So taking control of them now um, and scuffling them out before we get into the winter period is a good idea because they're only going to be a source of infe- infection and annoyance uh, going into, <laughs> into spring, spring of next year. The other key job I, w- I would be doing is... Um, preparing compost heaps. So there's lots of leaf litter around at the moment. You're going to be trimming soft plants back. You're going to be taking weeds out of the garden. Um, you're going to, there's lots of household waste as well that can be used. And by mm-hmm. starting a compost heap in early November, it'll mean that you'll have terrific compost by uh, March or early April of next year when you're thinking about planting new potatoes or putting in some vegetable plants or herbs or bedding plants and that compost will be a fantastic resource to to add to your into the garden uh, next spring. So think about doing it now and and not only are you getting rid of a lot of the garden waste, you're also getting rid of household waste as well because there's so many items in the in the household, be it newspapers, tea leaves, coffee, uh, tea bags, anything like that, eggshells, anything that will decompose can be used in the compost heap um, along with your garden compost. And it's a great way to get really good compost um, for for spring of next year, and the last thing I'll be doing is is looking at looking after the wildlife. So we're coming to the time of year of uh, feeding wild, the wild the birds, birds, the yeah. garden birds in particular, all the songbirds, and putting out a variety of feed. Um, so things like the, the the peanuts, of course, and wild bird feed, but also things like mealworms, which are available, which uh, give, particularly give you a different variety of birds and attract different mm. ground feeders in particular into the garden, and um, the sunflower hearts which again are, are very popular and um, you know so, so kind of a mixture of different seeds 
is is what to use in the in the in the to garden attract, to, to attract, attract different, different variety of birds. And if you start feeding them now, they get used to the feeders very quickly, okay. and you'll have them as entertainment in the garden right through the winter yeah. season. I have a robin at the moment. Okay. Yeah. So I I did was looking at it yesterday. I said, must I must get something to uh, keep. And it they ha- tend to be ground feeders. Yeah, robins I noticed tend he was actually feed. tipping around yeah. under the hedging so, and stuff. So yeah. you know to place some of the feeders. Uh, close to the ground as well as, as um, up in the trees as well but to go for a variety of different, different feeds yeah and the mealworms in particular robins love those oh, they're well. a dried mealworm and they're they absolutely adore them. Yeah, well, I, I, I did say I must get I must get at something, so maybe that'll be the treat today. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, lots of, the, really, there's lots to attend to. Um, t- it, tidy it all up. And I suppose one of the things maybe we talked about last week as well was that if you have pots and things like that that have kind of gone by the wayside in terms of whatever flowering plants were in them over the summer months, that there are lots of options still to a add winter, in a little bit of winter colour. Yeah, I, I planted some um, winter flowering cyclamen before I, I went away way there uh, oh, must be a month ago and they're still flowering they're beautiful at the moment and so the plants like winter flowering cyclamen flower through they actually flower better during the colder periods because it's like putting a plant in a fridge mm. the flowers tend to stay longer so it preserves it, it preserves it that's exactly it so plants like winter flowering cyclamen winter pansies winter violas uh, the primroses are beginning to flower at the moment winter flowering heathers and even plants with ornamental colour like the ornamental grasses the heuchras with their lovely orange and purple foliage, variegated ivies. They add an awful lot of colour as well. And also burying plants. Plants that have lovely berries for the winter like Galteria, Skimmy Reversiana. They're great for, for adding colour. I'm Actually, I'm, I'm on with uh, Ireland AM uh, this week and we're going to redo the Ireland AM garden. So I'm replanting the garden oh, very good. with winter colour. Um, so that's actually um, yeah, we're recording it on Wednesday and it's to be broadcast the following week so I'll be showing a lot of those plants the winter cyclamens, the winter heathers I'm going to use a lot of those uh, type of plants just to get a bit of winter colour for the TV3 garden and that will last then right through till March or April of next year and also putting in some spring bulbs you know the dwarf yeah. tulips, the snowdrops, the bluebells the dwarf daffodils they all can be underplanted if in containers or in raised beds or out in the garden for a bit of spring colour. Okay, so, so there's lots plenty, to be doing really. Yeah. That you can be doing. Okay, it's not yeah. just about going out raking a few leaves. <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> okay, we've got a few questions starting to come into us. Um, if you do have something that you'd like Porik to address for you this morning, uh, you can give us a text in on 87 41 with thanks to C&C Cellular. And Teresa is taking calls with us today. It's 0818 We're going to take a quick little break and uh, then we're going to address some of those after these. You're very welcome back to the programme. It's the gardening programme on this Saturday morning, the 1st of November. Now, Porik, some questions for you and a good variety, actually, uh, this morning. Um, and you're going to have to explain the first one to me. A berberous hedge. What's a berberous hedge? I probably should know the answer to this berberous. It's, four well, or five years down the line well, at this first stage. First of all, the berberous plant, which is it's a fantastic plant, really. It, it comes in a, a myriad of different types and colours and shapes and heights and so on. But some of them are, they all have a significant characteristic in that they're thorny. Okay. So on the stems, on each stem, about an inch apart, it's got three thorns. So it's very, very prickly, very thorny, which is great as a hedge, as a security hedge in particular. Small birds hedge. 
Well, no? well, as a security hedge to stop Just people, people coming in because it's so thorny and it's like white. Thorn. It's a bit like barbed wire in early. It is actually that's exactly nature's version. Yeah, and and uh, it would be one of those hedging plants that would be recommended by the Garthi in particular for security. So Berberus, there's a couple of different varieties. There's one called Berberus darwinii, uh-huh. which has uh, Darwin's Berberus is is the common name for it. Okay. It's got evergreen foliage. The leaves are actually thorny, and the stems are thorny. Uh, but it retains the dark green leaves through winter. It's got beautiful orange flowers in early spring and makes and has bunches of grape-like fruits in the autumn, black, uh, very black fruit in, in the autumn time. So it's a really, really good hedge and quite an easy-to-grow hedge. You're looking at me surprised because yeah. I probably have never mentioned it before, oh, no, have I? Just I? For some reason, I, I, I can't recall it anyway, but maybe you have now, yeah, in No, no, I, I, it wouldn't be probably a very uh, common hedge. It as just as seems to tick all the boxes. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's, no, it's a, it's a super hedging plant. So that's Berberus darwinii. Very tough, good in exposed gardens. The fact that it's evergreen, obviously, it retains its foliage all year round. Yeah. The fact that it's thorny, it's a great security hedge. Now... The fact that it, it's been th- it's thorny can, when you go to trim well, it, yes, obviously course. you need the yeah. gloves on yeah. and, and so on. So it can be, <clears throat> um, but a great flowering hedge. The t- you can prune it at this time of year. Well, the question really is: is it too late to cut back a Berberus no, hedge? No, well, there are other forms. So that's Berberus darwinii, which is the evergreen one. Um, if 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 it's that particular hedge, don't prune it too severely at this time of year. Just tidy back. It generally produces about six or eight inches of growth per year, and just tidy that back lightly. Mm. Because if you prune it severely, you're going to remove the flowers that it's going to bear next April and May. Um, so you lose the flowering in it if you prune it very severely back. Um, if you do need to cut Berberus darwinii hard back the time to trim it severely is after flowering so that would be about the second or third week of May once the flowers begin to go over there is a purple form of Berberus one with purple dillisk like leaves which is very nice Mm -hmm. more vigorous than the the one I mentioned earlier Um, but it is deciduous it sheds its leaf in winter but again it's quite thorny does flower as well not as spectacularly but the foliage colour is really good and it also makes a really good hedge and that can be pruned at any time of year so you can prune it now if you wish to tidy it back and you can be quite severe with it you can prune it hard back to get it to fill in and thicken in Um, so that's the the purple Berberus purpurea it's got that kind of very uh, deep dillisk like leaves so two good hedging plants great for security in particular if people want to kind of a thick thorny hedge to make sure nobody just nobody comes in get through then that they're, they're um, two super hedges and as I mentioned you can prune the Berberus darwinii lightly now at this time of year or heavy pruning in the springtime and the purple foliage variety again can be pruned at this time of year just to tidy it up Excellent um, and from the same uh, texture as well what's the best time to cut back hydrangeas they were very big and they had lots of flowers this year Probably the most popular question Definitely. that we are asked. I think I, and I, I've I noticed that uh, since we have recommenced the autumn season, I would say we've had two or three of those every week. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's one, probably one of the most <laughs> common questions I get asked and probably because every garden has hydrangea and they were particularly good this year. The flowers yeah, they were, were fantastic beautiful actually, this yeah. year. The thing with hydrangeas is they flower on last year's wood. So in terms of pruning them, really at this time of year, you leave them alone until springtime. You allow the, the leaves and the flowers to wither and fade off the plant. And then in late February, early March, you cut out the shoots that flowered this year. So any of the shoots that contained the withered flower, they're pruned out as close to soil level as you can. The remaining shoots are left alone because that's where the flowers are going to be born this coming summer. Right. right? Now, having said all of that, sometimes hydrangeas get very big 
take over the space because people haven't pruned them and haven't maintained them. And you have an option in early spring to cut the hydrangea back very severely, as you would a rose bush, right back to soil level. What that will mean is, first of all, you're cutting the, a lot of the old wood out. You're rejuvenating the plant because all the new growth you're going to get is going to be young growth. Uh-huh. But you, it's going to skip a year of flowering if you do that. So uh-huh. it's a method of pruning with hydrangeas to kind of get them back into shape, to rejuvenate the plant, to get rid of a lot of dead wood and kind of bring it back to a more manageable and neater plant. But you forsake the flowering right. for that, that for summer. That so you get lots of green leaves, but no flowers. So if you want blooms, then just take out the, the shoots that flowered this summer and you do that in late February, early March, right. leaving the other shoots to, to grow and to flower um, for, for, for next summer. But if you, you can ruthlessly cut them severely back if you want to remanage and reshape and rejuvenate a hydrangea plant, but you do forsake the flowers then for, for just, uh, just one year. For, the year. for just one year. Okay. It'll come back into flowering then the following summer. Okay, so, so so that that's that. I hope that makes, all, the, makes yeah, perfect it sense. Yeah, it does perfect sense. Yeah. Now, if you are wanting to take a few cuttings from hydrangeas, this is the time to propagate them. So you can just go out and take a couple of shoots, non-flowering shoots, and propagate them like I mentioned at mm-hmm. the top of the program. If you want, just try six-inch cuttings, strip off all the leaves, about pencil thickness, just leave one leaf at the very top, mm-hmm. dip it into a bit of rooting powder, and put it into some compost, and it'll root over the winter period. Okay, and they, 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 they root fairly well. Fairly well. It'll take about uh, six to eight. It'll be kind of Christmas time before they're, maybe 12 weeks before they um, before they actually root. So 10 to 12 weeks it'll root it. And you'll have nice young little plants for next season then. Okay. Would you get a flower out of them? The no, season? no, you won't. It'll, grow, it'll tend to grow for maybe two years okay. and then settle down to flowering. Lovely. Now, carrots. Uh, yeah. Carrots that are splitting. Wonders, okay. Tony, why would this be? And also, can you give advice on how to store them for the winter? Okay, well, first of all, carrots split because, first of all, when planting carrots, um, they dislike any sort of fresh manure. So any sort of compost, rot manure, farm manure, horse manure, anything like that will cause carrots to split because what effectively happens is the, the, the tip of the carrot root is scorched by the manure and it causes a forking or a splitting in, in the carrots. Um, it can also happen, splitting can also happen in a dry summer like we have this year mm-hmm. uh, because the skin of carrots, if, if the soil gets quite dry, the skin gets tight. As it as it gets extra moisture, then you get splitting along the stem. But, but generally speaking, the splitting or forking of carrots is caused by uh, the addition of manure in the ground and carrots really should be growing in, grown in soil that has been previously f- fertilised say for a crop like potatoes the previous year so carrots are great to follow on from potatoes so where you grew your potatoes this year ideally that's where you should put the carrots and parsnips um, next, next summer, summer and just use a small bit of granulated fertiliser no, no fresh uh, organic matter um, and the other key thing is obviously in a summer like we've had is to keep them well watered because right. particularly uh, as we get into July and August if they get a very a dry period for a couple of weeks you will get splitting as well in them storing carrots is quite simple this is the time to lift them out of the ground clean them off and store them in um, damp peat or damp sand in a dark shed, cellar, that that sort of an area. You okay. could even get boxes and simply put some sand into them and, and, and rest the carrots into them. And take obviously take off the green tops. Yes. Uh, cut that off and and just store them on their on their side. Um put a layer of sand between each each uh, layer of carrots and place the next layer on top and they'll store there right through till April or May 
April, certainly wow. the end of April uh, of next year. As long as they're kept cool, dark, dark. And, and moist, they'll they'll store for the but winter. But not wet. No. Yeah. The other way you can you can store carrots, like potatoes, you can actually store them, you can pit them out of doors, which is again, just a method of, of um, again, using compost or soil, and again, just building the carrots up, putting a layer of, you could put a, a, a layer of straw or something between the um, each carrot layer, layer yeah. and, and just add soil to it and, and kind of create a pit or a bank. But storing them inside in, in a dark, cold shed is, is probably the easier option okay. and they're available then for use right through the winter period. Okay, from carrots, let's move on to turnips. And a listener set turnips this year but couldn't get a use out of any of them. They were black in the centre and they had a lot of extra stems. What okay. would be the problem? So that's something similar? No, well, that's that's um, um, that's actually a nutrition deficiency in turnips and swades are both affected by it. Mm-hmm. It's a boron defici- deficiency. Boron is it's like iron in the soil, or um, it's one of the micronutrients, but it's essential for the turnips. development of turnips. And you get what we call brown heart oh, yeah. in the centre of turnips. So the turnips look perfect but you cut the centre open. They're brown in the centre, they're stringy, and as the listener says, they're unusable. And it's a total waste yeah. of all that effort uh, because the, the, they look as if they're 100% perfect. Well, double disappointment because when you take them out, obviously they look great, and then when you open them, exactly. they're not. Yeah. They're not. And, it, and it can be easily corrected by adding boron to the soil in early springtime. Now, there is a fertiliser called Vitex Q4, which contains boron, or you can buy bor- boron as a liquid um, micronutrient and just you water it onto the developing swades or turnips during the growing season and that will correct it. So right. next spring if you're growing the, the swades or, or turnips go into your local garden centre get a fertiliser that contains boron that's important and or else get the boron liquid and add that to the, the turnips during the growing season and they'll be 100% usable. Okay. Next year. Now, so it's nothing the listener has done no, it's, wrong. It's, it's, a, it's a nutrient deficiency in the soil. That's all it is. Okay. Um, now, a listener is wondering about, well, cooking beetroot. I'm not sure we can advise on the cooking of beetroot. Uh, well, I don't I think I can. known for that. They're steaming. Be Although I had beetroot crisps <laughs> last weekend and they were delicious. Oh, there you go. Yeah, deep so fried. I, deep fried. Yeah, oh, lovely. they were absolutely. So there you go. That's how you That's can one. cook beetroot. That's one way Probably it. not the healthiest way, but anyway. Um, but maybe let's talk about storing beetroot again. Is that similar to what we were advising? Yeah, it, you carrots? store them similar to carrots. The thing with uh, beetroot is that they bleed. When you cut the, if you, if you damage the, um, generally when you, when you lift the beetroot, you clean off the, the roots and you twist the foliage mm. in a twisting motion. Um, some of the beetroot juice will, will excrete from the, from the leaves, but just disregard that. Just store the, the, uh, the bulbs in a, again, damp sand is probably the best way to store them through the winter mm-hmm. period. And again, you can put them in a dark shed, a cellar, somewhere cool and dark, um, in, in a moist compost or a moist sand and they'll store perfectly well all winter long. So that's that's the best way to do them. Great. Mary is wondering, what can you use to kill the roots of trees? Well, certain trees regenerate like poplars, ash. When you cut them to ground level, they just sprout back up again. Sycamore will do the same. So if you want to kill the, the roots completely, there there is a, a weed killer called Root Out. It's made by Roundup. It'll actually say on the pack root, uh, root out. And you simply just put that onto the the, the re- remaining stump. What you can do is, with an axe, uh, take off some of the bark, expose the inner tissue, and then apply the treatment around the base of the stump, and that will kill it then completely. 
So it's just a matter of... Uh, so it's it's um, rouge out. It's a particular weed killer for tree stumps. It can also be used on things like brambles and the tougher type weeds that you want to get rid of in the garden, right. Japanese knotweed. Um, but it's it's particularly effective on killing tree stumps. And it's only the stumps. Conifers won't reshoot. So things like Lelandii or anything in the conifer family won't right. reshoot from ground level. It's those like poplars, like ash, um, sycamore in particular, that have the ability to shoot from underground and, and, and start off again and they certainly or you could get an auger and, and bore holes in the in the stump of the tree and again put the treatment into that okay. as long as you're getting the the root out into the living tissue that will kill off the, the root over the winter period uh, and then natural decaying will, will rot it will away rot over away. time yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. right it's just to kind of get into the, the heart it's of just it to kill yeah. Yeah. and it's only it's only on tree stumps that have the ability to it's reshoot again so some particularly the conifer family that isn't going to be a problem um, somebody's wondering, can we move a hosta plant now? Yeah, it's actually a great time. Hostas, to, to, just to, to explain what they are, they're, they're a beautiful herb, herbaceous plant that produce the lovely, generally variegated foliage. Yeah, I think and they're stunning. Yeah. Great, great mm. plants and so easy to grow. Not only is it a good time to move them, it's a great time to propagate them, to split them. So when you're digging it up, split it up as you would rhubarb. So literally dig the whole hosta plant up, put it on a, on a pathway, get a good sharp spade and split it a five or six year old hosta plant you'll make six or seven plants from it so all you need is a, a, a root about six inches in diameter and take that and replant it somewhere else um, so it's a good time to move all herbaceous plants hostas in particular and a great time to split them and, it, and that would apply to most herbaceous plants like Michaelmas daisies flocks um, that you can dig up divide in two or three and transplant somewhere else. Rhubarb, for example, good time to lift rhubarb, split it into four or five pieces and replant somewhere else in the garden. And if, if anything, plants benefit from that because you're actually rejuvenating the whole plant again. You're starting. So, because if you think about the hosta plant, when that was planted five or six years okay. ago, it was planted as a small plant. Uh, it grew out from the centre. So the centre is the oldest oh. part of the plant. So by actually lifting it and splitting it up, you're getting rid of the centre and you're starting the whole plant off. off from, the, from, the from, from the newer growth. And you're rejuvenating the whole plant again. So not only is it a good time to move it, it's a great way of propagating plants, but it also benefits the plants as well. Okay. So as, a, as in you're rejuvenating, mm-hmm. you're starting the plant all over again. Flowering Anthurium. The leaves are splitting and going brown, says Anne. What might be the problem? Well, Anthurium is, is, uh, is a lovely indoor plant. It's called the painter's palette because the name or the flower which it produces, which is actually a brack, it's a modified leaf, looks like the painter's palette. You know, the, the, yeah. the heart-shaped yeah. palette. Um, and it comes in many different colours. Now, what they like is they're a woodland plant. So they like to be out of direct sunlight. They like to be in a semi-shaded uh, location and they dislike too much moisture um, so the the browning is uh, is is a symptom of dry air so it may be close to a radiator you know somewhere particularly at this time of year people are, people are putting a little bit of heat and enthoriums dislike that so you're trying to create kind of a woodland type 
effect indoors for that if that's right. possible. Oh, okay. So bathroom situations suit them really well because there's lots of moisture there. Um, we're not going to be getting any direct sunlight from now on so you can move them onto a brighter window cell but somewhere away from a radiator or from any source of dry heat, a, a range or a stove fire that will cause the browning in the leaves and discoloration of the leaves and the splitting of the leaves um, so it needs to be in a put maybe a bathroom location a hallway location yes. somewhere cooler uh, but 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 all, but reasonably bright. Okay. It's a really easy plant to grow. Well worth growing in thorium. And the the actual painter's palette black flower flower yes. lasts for two months. Okay. So it's one of those kind of easy to grow, um, really attractive plants, That's, indoor plants. Yeah. yeah. That, that'll that'll that don't take too much minding and Not too much have, have, but, a, have a bit of colour out of it as well. Yeah, good colour, but but dislike dry air. Okay. So try to get it into a maybe a, a hallway bathroom somewhere cooler. Okay, so not, not, not too hot. Yeah, house. and don't worry about the leaves. They'll, if the leaves are very brown, you could prune them off and it'll draw on new growth again. You know, it's, it's one, it's, I won't say it's indestructible, but it is a, it's, quite it's an easy, one. yeah, painter's palette. Lovely. We'll take a quick break. Uh, we still have some more to come. Stay with us. Okay, welcome back. Now, um, holly berries. There's lots of berry holly on um, berries on the holly pork. Sorry, I'm not able to put my words together this morning. <laughs> yeah. um, is there anything uh, listeners are wondering to do to keep the berries? Not really, to unless stop, you cover them up. I suppose. The poor birds. Yeah. Well, on the berries. That is. That is. Yeah. Well, listen, I guess is, that I mean, is. You it. can you can get a light netting that you yeah. can put over them, or you can use the grazer product you know the product that oh for the rabbits yeah so there is a product called grazers which is used to keep pigeons and rabbits and deer um, what it effectively is is calcium and you mix it up in water you spray it onto the berries or onto the holly bush and the birds dislike the taste of it so it doesn't harm the birds but it's the taste of calcium that they dislike so it's often used say on cabbage plants or on vegetable plants to deter pigeons from eating the cow because they dislike the taste of, of calcium so that can be used. That's a product called grazers. You simply spray it on a dry day onto the holly. You won't even see it on it. And then the birds dislike the taste of that. Or else net a small area of the holly bush and just keep them off it. Okay. Maybe feed your garden birds with, with something else. Give them an alternative. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, somebody else just had a quick question regarding rabbits eating the bark of a hedge. Uh, would the grazers work in that oh, instance? Oh, it would, yeah. yeah. Ra- rabbits, hares, deer, pigeons, any of those kind of uh, foliage-eating um, animals would would be deterred by grazers. Now you know it. It uh, you spray it onto the onto the leaf and, or in this case, the bark, and that would stop them from from damaging it. Lovely. Can we cut back a forest flame now? Asks Helen. Well, the answer is you can, but there's no real need to, unless it's unless it's mis- misshapen or it's mm. gone, you know, too leggy. Then, if it is, by all means, you can trim it back. Generally, forest flame don't need a lot of trimming. Um, what I generally do with them is allow the, the lovely pink colour to come on them in in April. Give them a light trimming then, once the colour starts to go to that kind of uh, yellowish or peachy colour, and they tend to come into growth then a second or into a lovely flush of of new growth, new pink growth, uh, second time during the summertime. So if it's got a bit leggy or got too big, but yes, you can. You can prune Pierre's forest flame back now. Uh, but generally, they don't require a lot of trimming. Whereas plants like fuchsias and hydrangeas and roses, you know, they all benefit from pruning. Forest flame generally doesn't need a lot of trimming back. So I'd only trim it this time of year if, if you, you feel have, the, yeah, the need. Here's an interesting one. Pat asks, is there any way I can test the soil in my garden to see what is lacking? Oh, yes, you can. You can get um, simple... 
soil testing kits in your local garden centre. So it'll test for things like nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium and also for the micronutrients like we mentioned with boron deficiency. Um, So you can get a complete soil test that will measure alkalinity, lime levels and and the nutritional levels of soils. And it's simply all you take is a small piece of of the soil, let it dry, put it into a simple canister, add water and it'll colour either yellow or brown or whatever and, and there's a little scorecard then that to tell you what, what it's lacking in yeah. so your local garden centre will have will so have a soil, soil test. testing kit, kit to get it um, to, get to get it, it tested yeah uh, Mary is wondering how does one store deal, de- dahlias sorry <laughs> slightly spelled dahlia dahlias they, she has lots of them um, she's wondering does she split them Okay, well, first of all, they're they're still flowering. They're doing really well at the moment. And generally, dahlias are left alone until the first frost kills the the foliage and the flowers back, which will be probably mid-November, maybe late November when that happens. At that time, you have two options. You can either leave them in the soil and you run the risk of heavy frost or winter snows damaging dahlias, or you can dig them up and store them for the winter. And the benefit of doing that, so you leave that until the first frost cuts the plant back you dig it out of the soil you cut off all the flowers and stems right back and you let the the tubers dry so leave them maybe in a garden shed for a couple of days for the soil to dry shake off any excess of soil and then store them for the winter and a good tip is to put on um, a little bit of sulphur you can get green or yellow sulphur again in the garden centre it acts as a bacterial an antibacterial fungicide and you simply sprinkle that onto the tubers and that protects them for the winter in early spring then they'll start to grow like like potatoes start to sprout and that's the opportunity for dividing dahlias so with dahlias when you divide them you need a green shoot mm-hmm. and you need a piece of tuber without the well, green shoot yeah, it doesn't grow it doesn't and without the tuber the, the shoot will die so it's like a potato when it sprouts in the in the in the kitchen you know when the little yes. eyes come on them that's what you're looking for with dahlias in early springtime the little buds starting and you literally cut them so from one dahlia bulb or tuber you can make four or five new plants very easily and that that's done in February or early March and then they're planted you can pot them up in trays get mm. them started and they're planted out then once the first frosts have passed which is normally about the first week of May Perfect. so yes I would advise lift them it gives you the opportunity to give them away to family and friends as well yes of um, but you shouldn't have to do that until about the end of November we get the first real belt of frost that's the trigger to go out and dig up your daily tubers now can we prune apple trees now yes you can yeah shorten them back and um, generally apples and pears are pruned whatever growth they meant this year so if it made two feet of growth you shorten that back by two-thirds so you're shortening it back by 18 inches um right back and tie them up any crossing branches any damaged branches with canker or any disease that are quite evident you prune those out but yes it's a good time to start trimming them back once they're pruned it's also a good idea to put a little bit of the tar oil treatment um, onto the trees yep. which again disinfects the trees for the winter period so once you have the pruning done clean around the base of them and put on the tar oil spray and that protects them for the, the entire winter and kills off any overwintering pests or diseases Column in Ballon Robe tells us <clears throat> that he has little ash trees sown all around the garden Great, but they're starting to discolour and he's wondering is there anything that he needs to do well remember we're coming into autumn mm. time now now ash generally holds the leaf quite if it's the common ash you've got mountain ash and common ash um, so depending on what col- column has planted but at this time of year trees are beginning to show yellowing 
and the, you know it's, it, the leaf structures beginning to break down I wouldn't worry with, about them whatsoever the main thing with young trees is to keep any grass weeds from the base of them put a small bamboo cane with them so that you get encourage a nice straight stem on the tree and as the tree is growing as the young ash is growing prune off the lower branches so you're ending up with a nice clean stem up to four maybe five feet in height okay. and allow the, the, the ash to branch from there on in so try and train the plant over the next couple of years to have a nice central stem clean of side branches with a kind of round full head uh, at the top of the tree and apart from that you know we're not seeing there are diseases of ash common ash but we're not seeing it here in the west of Ireland so I don't think I think it's just nature taking its course we're coming into autumn and trees in general begin to show little bits of spots and yellows and And they're reacting to the shorter day the cooler temperatures nature's autumn is coming uh, somebody's wondering what do you do with pampas grass for the winter to promote more growth next year? Well, pampas grass is, is one of those plants that really doesn't need a lot of trimming and care. Um, it's kind of left to its own devices. Remember the leaves are razor sharp. So be, always be very careful with okay. them. That they, they give yeah. you a very nasty gut uh, if you're pulling the leaves. or So just be careful around them. And really with pampas grass, it's just a matter of tidying them up. They produce, of course, the lovely plumes during the summer months. And I would leave those on the plant through the winter because they, they can look quite spectacular mm. during the winter period, particularly as we get into the frosty. So really, it's just a tidying up. Sometimes they, they, you get a bit of brown leaves at the base of them. That can be trimmed off with a secateurs or with a sharp clippers. But in general, there's not a lot that needs to be done with pampas grass. It's just a tidying back. Do wear a pair of gloves when you're when you're doing, you're doing the foliage because it is quite sharp and leave the, the flower heads on the plant and enjoy those through the winter now as we get into springtime mm. in February and early March those old flower heads could be pruned back you could give it a handful of tree and shrub fertiliser and that'll help to kick it on but it's a grass species and it requires very little in terms Def- of maintenance to be okay. honest Can you reset a rose bush from a cutting and also is it too late to use Roundup on a driveway uh, to kill we- or to kill weeds on a lawn? Okay, there's two very different questions. There's three there. questions there, I Roasters. think. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's talk about the rose. Well, we let's talk about the rose bush first. Okay, of so all. roses, yes, you can propagate them from cuttings. I think I mentioned that at the top of the program. So take the cuttings now. Pencil length, pencil thickness. Take all, take off all the leaves and flowers. A little bit of rooting powder. Put them into trays, and they'll root over the winter period. So they're dead easy to do. Um, in terms of roundup on driveways mm-hmm. and patio, pa- paving slabs and all of that, yes. Dry day is what you need, calm dry day, apply the treatment and you'll kill off any weeds. And and that's what I was saying, I just noticed Mm -hmm. in my own garden, there's lots of young weeds beginning to pop up and it's a good idea to take control of those now. In terms of weeds on the lawn, make sure that you use a proper lawn treatment. So it has got to say on the pack, lawn Lawn. weed killer, and it's completely different to Roundup and it works in a different way. And if if you have bits of dandelions or clover or speedwell in the lawn, this is a good time to treat that. Uh, because that, those weeds will just overwinter ne- to next year. But make sure you put on a proprietary lawn weed killer through a washing can or sprayer. Um, the, and, uh, and obviously you need a dry day to do that. Okay. I, I'm going to come to another lawn question yeah. with that where somebody has tackled it for weeds um, and they have sprayed for weeds with Weedol and Hytrol together. Uh, so they have a lot of yellow patches now and 
what would you suggest there? Well, I'm not surprised. Like, weed all is is, uh, is a total weed killer. It, it, it's very similar to Roundup. It's not yeah. to be used on lawns. Okay. Um, so it, you, you've obviously used the wrong product on the lawn and, you're, and actually enough, you're getting the yellowing yeah. of the grass. So, But the, the one, I suppose, positive thing is that weed all, um, once it hits the soil, it becomes neutralised. So it isn't going to contaminate your soil and yeah. damage your soil. The grass will die in those areas and you'll need to repatch. So get some of the patch magic or some lawn seed and reseed those areas because you've effectively killed the grass where the weed all has, um, has uh, you know, has, has fallen. Yeah. Now, Hytrol actually do a lawn weed killer. Right. So it may be Hytrol lawn weed killer that the listener has used on the lawn. And if they have one, that won't damage the grass, but the weed all will. Well, okay. Yeah. So just be careful. Any of those sort of weed killers, make sure you're getting the right product for... Yeah. the purpose and that's if intended doubt, ask. ask exactly yeah, and read, read the products because there's nothing worse than looking at yellow <laughs> patches after you've applied well that's it absolutely um, it works but it works too well um, now Cathy asks will winter cyclamen and viola survive in a pot on a, in a north facing area yeah the cyclamen will do brilliantly cyclamen actually love uh, shade it north facing is going to be very little light um, so cyclamen are, are one of the best choices for an area like that. Snowdrops actually do very well in, in shaded areas. Winter aconites, which is a bulb, do very well. Crocuses tend to do very well. Violas would like a brighter location on which you'll find with violas. They will flower and they will survive, but they'll tend to be a little bit leggier. So right. they won't be nice and compact for the winter season. So I would stick to the winter cyclamen in particular and they come in a whole range of different colours and are really good for north-facing areas. Variegated ivy will do very well. Um, the snowdrops that I mentioned in winter aconites and some of the dwarf daffodils like February gold and little witch would do very well in north-facing aspects okay. as well. Primroses would do quite well. You know, the awesome. um, primrose, yeah, they give a nice bit of colour for the winter. Okay, I'm afraid we should leave it there. Until next March. Until next March. March, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for everything over the last uh, six to eight months. Yeah, it's and been fantastic. Yeah, I really has. enjoyed it. Yeah, and uh, I know everybody obviously really appreciates all the information and advice. And, and remember, I'm going to be doing the programme with TV3 and we're recording it next Wednesday. I think it's to be broadcast on the 11th then of, of um, November November uh, on Ireland AM. And I'll be doing the winter theme there, redoing the garden with winter colour. So again, if people want to tune in and watch for that. Okay. And I hope to be on, on RTE1 next Friday. So on the 7th of November, I'm, I'm Sean O'Rourke has asked me to join him for a few hints and tips. on. So tune in to RTE Radio 1 next Friday around 10 o'clock and hopefully... Okay. I'll be we'll giving be a little bit of advice to the nation. <laughs> <laughs> well, the best of luck with that. Thanks, uh, not indeed that you need it. Um, that's my lot for this morning. Uh, Michael Neary is up after the news at 10, which is on the way next with Michael D. McAndrew. Until next Saturday, from me, good morning to you.